1: Today's episode of the Keeping It 1000 podcast with Adam Matas and George Carl is brought to you with limited commercial interruption thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. It's nice to see football back on our televisions, back in our hearts. And lucky for us, that was just week one. There's plenty more football ahead of us, and there's no better place to get in on all of the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week two, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. I, this I know these deals I've been saying these deals for a while now. I don't know if people understand it. It's true. You can place $1 bet on any team and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? It's almost no risk. So if you, Head over to the DraftKings, uh, the top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app right now, and use promo code DNBR when you sign up, so you can get this can't miss offer. Pick any team during the week two, bet one dollar on them, and win one hundred dollars if they win. That's one dollar to win one hundred dollars during this uh, limited time promo code DNBR special. Uh, DraftKings sportsbook must be twenty-one or older. Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call one 52 4700 What is up everybody and welcome to the Keeping it 1000 podcast with me Adam Montes and the star of the show Coach George Carl Coach it's good to see you everything feels a little bit better today. The the sun is a little brighter. The birds are chirping a little bit louder. At least that's how I feel as a Denver Nuggets fan watching the team come back from a second three to one deficit in a series and reach the Western Conference Finals. How do you feel? Uh, and just uh, how do you feel this day? I guess after following that big win.
0: I think that anytime uh, your your city gets to a Final Four. You know, if we're in NCAA right now, we'd be having a party and Right. The NBA doesn't celebrate the Final Four like I think they, they should. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think a, a lot of coaches have gotten to the Final Four, but not to the finals. And it doesn't seem like it gives the respect of just getting to the Final Four is a hell of an accomplishment. Uh, you know, I think expectations now are kind of been met. I think everybody's kind of happy with what has gotten done. And now everything now is how can we uh, improve it? How we can push it forward? How can we uh, take what we've learned and how we've played and, and continue it against another good basketball team?
1: I really like that idea of looking at the NBA as a Final Four because I'm with you. I mean, in one sense... The Nuggets are now only halfway to the championship, but in another sense, you know, just getting here, I, I can hear your dog there. He's very excited. He's a, he too is a Nuggets fan, I can hear. Um, but even just getting here is just such a, a big deal. Obviously, even for Nuggets fans, I mean, it's, this is now the furthest, you know, a handful of teams, I think three different times in the NBA, the Nuggets have advanced to the Western uh, Conference finals. So to me, this, this just, you know, it feels like a huge accomplishment. And I'm just, really happy for that group of guys let me ask you this one right off the bat though how the heck did they win that series you've been so level-headed there's so many things that you have been spot on with this and I feel like I've learned a lot one of the things you said was in this bubble it would be easier for teams to come back and momentum shifts wouldn't be like in a regular series because there's no travel there's no road game if you're behind you don't have to go on the road that's been so true, not just for the Nuggets, but I think a lot of teams have figured things out. You look at the the Oklahoma City Thunder. They got killed in the first two games, figured something out, and were able to maintain that momentum all the way to game seven. Um, how did Denver regain momentum in the series, if you could kind of reduce it? What, what turned the series?
0: You know, the, the thing that steps up in my mind is uh, Gary Harris. Mm. Uh, his first game back, I remember calling it magical, how the defense looks like it's connected.
1: Yeah.
0: And there, there, there were more multiple efforts. There was more intensity and enthusiasm to the game. And I think, I think you got to talk about the veterans on this team a little bit from a standpoint of Millsap, Grant, Harris, Plumlee. Plumley had didn't play much in the in the last series, but he had an eleven minute stretch. I think it was Game Five. He played yeah. really well, and uh, you know, there's a, I mean, right now I think you know I'm sure they're starting to prepare today. But uh, it was a hell of an accomplishment mentally, uh, the confidence of the game. I think. You gotta tip your hat to Jokic and Murray. Cause they, they they stabilized this team offensively, more so than Kawhi and Paul George yeah. did with the Clippers. The Clippers deteriorated, disintegrated, basically died. Yeah. In in the last three games. And a lot of it was it wasn't easy. I mean, I mean, getting down double digit is not an easy thing for a young team. I think you got to tip your hat to the coaching staff and Malone to find the positive energy to keep it on, on track to, to, you know and, the, and then the fourth quarter play I mean, it was marvelous. I mean, I mean, not only were they good defensively, they were good offensively. They got better offensively. Most of the time in a playoff situation, as a series goes along, as a as game goes along, the defense seemingly gets in better control of the offense. Right. That didn't happen to the Nuggets. And in a very quiet way, they have rebuilt their defense around guys that they trust. Uh, they trust uh, Tory Craig. Right. They trust Gary Harris. They trust um uh Grant. They trust uh MILSAP in a lot of ways. I think they they trust a lot of guys, MILSAP, and and they gotta be given credit that a lot of their bench doesn't have a commit a committed minutes. They all get a chance to play. Right. And then Malone kind of figures out who, what buttons to push and who to give the longer minutes to. And he's done a good job at that. I mean, the guy that plays, I mean, uh, Gary Harris played, I don't know, f- the most minutes a game, I think game's five. He had the mm-hmm. most minutes on the court. And he, I think he had played 42 minutes after not playing at all in the series before until the end. And I just think there's a, a confidence. And I think the balance of the team, their defense has come back. Uh, and I kind of like it. You know, I, <laughs> I think my, my two teams right now are Miami and Denver. Oh, wow. And, oh, wow. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think Miami is going to get it done in the East. And the underdogs kind of, I think they're playing. Maybe the bubble has helped the underdog more than the the mature team or the experienced team going in. I thought the experienced team would have more focus, more demand detail, more discipline. Uh, But it seems like it's allowed the younger teams to not be uh, intimidated by the moment as where if you are playing on the road and winning these games, there might be more of an intimidation factor and it seems like Jokic and Murray are comfortable with playing in the bubble. Very comfortable
1: yeah you brought up something that was another thing that I think again I learned from this show and that I really noticed and that was the both the confidence and trust with who's on the court and it's funny because fans, I think, always want the young, new upside player to play a ton of minutes. And in this case, that's Michael Porter. Coaches always want the guys they can trust, even if there's that lower ceiling. And I think you've just seen throughout this playoffs, the defensive end of the court, even the offensive end of the court. Murray and Harris have so much experience together. They've been playing together for five to four seasons. And they just kind of know where each other are. And even if Gary Harris isn't doing anything on the offensive end, but spacing the court, it just seems like Murray gets gains confidence. Jokic gains confidence because they just have that familiarity. To me, that has stood out so much. And it's on both ends of the court, those players having familiarity with the guys they've been through so many games with.
0: Well, you know, the first round was historical. The games of of what Murray did with 50 twice, I think, and 44 times. Uh, I think that's an outlier. That's not, you know, I I think that's a guy that you might see in this series once, but, yeah, but I think, I think Murray played very well the last three games as a point guard. Yeah. And as the Robin to Jokic and, you know, he doesn't – you know, a lot of that point guards have the ball in their hands a lot more, but Jokic has, has to have the ball in his hands to make him as good as he is. But Murray picked his moments to be efficient and effective. And when it got going, when the tough got going, he liked the ball in his hands and he did a good job of it. Uh, I mean, the, the most – to me, the most powerful thing was how they played in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, usually, you know, the game gets a little more ugly in the fourth quarter of game sevens and elimination games. Yeah. Denver's offense got more efficient, more effective, more open shots. And their role players, I can't emphasize this enough. I didn't think Denver had a chance to outplay the Clipper bench, but they destroyed. They destroyed the Clipper branch.
1: They solved them, it seemed, yeah.
0: And some of that was defense. Some of that was, you know, you had Craig or you had Harris on Paul George. I mean, on Lou Williams a lot. But Monte Morris is solid. He's not spectacular, but he gave him solid to good minutes. And you can almost see him feeling a connection, Um, you know. And in a lot of ways, uh, this is kind of the year that, uh, you know, you, could, you can see a team growing up from being a, maybe a, a contender to I think maybe they've made the step that they're going to be a contender for the next three or four years.
1: I love that. And you brought a bunch of stuff up there in that, in that point that I want to kind of circle back to. The first one, you talked about Jamal Murray and how these last three games, this last one, he scored a bunch of points and he was fantastic in that way. But games five and six, 12 assists, only two turnovers, facing a lot of pressure with the ball in his hand. And I thought the scoring was a bit quiet. But to your point, the point guarding, I thought, was really, really high for him. Were you worried at all after watching him go for 50 points and 40 points? Were you worried at all that, okay, well, maybe he's now feeling it a little too much and may, maybe he's going to overemphasize that aspect of the game?
0: Well, I don't think any coach or any player thinks about going into a game to get 40.
1: Mm, yeah. It just happens. Right.
0: Uh, I don't think, you know, you're sitting there saying before a game, did I'm going to give Murray 25 shots, and I need him to get 35 or 45. Uh, you want the team to function as a unit and as a team more than you want one guy standing up. But the playoffs have a tendency of the other guys can't score, so you got to give the, the, the ball to the guys that can score. And so you get an over more of a more volume to your scores. And I think what happened is the Clippers went that way from the very early in the series. Their, their confidence in the other guys playing next to George and Kawhi and to, and to Lou Williams. It seemed like they were, they were, they not only didn't have confidence playing next to them, they didn't seem like they enjoyed playing next to them. Their spacing got worse as the series went on, and their playmaking got worse as the series went on. And, you know, a lot of that's probably going to fall on Doc Rivers. But I think it falls on that the Clippers weren't together. Oh, completely, yeah. You know, we said that, you know, the Clippers have been up and down. They've played really good at times this year. But in general, they weren't. I think most of us going into the bubble with thought that the Clippers had underachieved and they were blaming it on, you know, injuries. They had right. never been healthy, but you know, when you have two guys on your bench that can play, can play 35 minutes in any game in the NBA, I don't, I don't like buying injuries that much. I think right. injuries make guys better. Injuries help teams in a lot of ways. Uh, I think, I think the media and and uh, coaches use use injuries as an excuse when they're part of the game, and if you don't have trust and belief in some of your guys sitting on the bench, even though they may not be playing big minutes, I think Denver has shown that uh, their bench was pretty cocky and yeah. and did a great job. And the one thing I. I I would be a little nervous, and I know this might come up. But I like how they're playing now, and I'm not sure I want Will Barton to come back.
1: Right, right.
0: As, as a coach, yeah. I'm not sure I want that. But, you know, I, I guess you always want as many weapons in your – and, you know, you want as many tools in your toolbox as you can have. But they're playing well right now and connected very well in their defense. Right now, I think it's going to be another – it's going to be a lot of ways a defensive series against the Lakers. I think the Lakers are better when they play their A game at the defensive end of the court. And then the, the second key to my mind is uh, how the benches are going to play. Mm-hmm. Who's going to help LeBron and Anthony Davis? Yeah. They're, they're not consistent there either. Right now, Ron, Rondo's come in and it seemed like it's, he's waking up a little bit and playing well, but the other guys off their bench have been very inconsistent. And I think, uh, I think right now I'm I'm confident in Denver's bench. I guess I'm really happy with how they've played. I think Malone has confidence in him, and there's a there's a connection, a trust, and a belief in how they're playing as a unit off the bench. And as the camaraderie of the team is positive,
1: yeah, it certainly feels that way. And especially in contrast to the Clippers, one of the words you've been using connection a lot on this show. But one word I remember you using when you were here in Denver was teamness. You talked about a team having teamness to it, which I think is a word you maybe you made you invented. I don't. You can correct me, but to me, watching that Clippers versus Nuggets series, especially when the pressure got ramped up. It was very clear which one of these two teams was to nether. It had that connection, had that teamness, and which one didn't.
0: You know, I tweeted last night. I said that, you know, it was fun seeing team be talent.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And you know, and it's just, I thought, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Doc does a great job, but the team that it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable for me as a coach mm. watching. A team disintegrate like yeah, the Clippers yeah. disintegrate.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, and there are three guys on their bench that I know really well. Rex Rex was here with me in Denver. Yeah, John Welsh has been with me for a long time, and Sam Cassell and I. Yeah, of course, yeah. Coach and I, Sam and I are close. And I talked to them between Game Six and Seven, and you could hear in their voice yeah. they were a little nervous. They yeah. they were worried about their offense, and I was yelling at them. I said, "Tell me why you haven't put Kawhi on Jokic." Mm. And I didn't think I didn't think there was a lot of creativity coming away from how the Clippers were playing. I think they were just kind of saying we're better than them, and we just got to play better. Yeah. Well. I, I, it's amazing to me that they play a seven-game series and Kawhi covered Jokic maybe 10 times. Yeah. And I, if I was coaching the game, Kawhi would have been Jokic from the very beginning. Why is that? What, do you, what, what advantage do you gain there? I have Jokic. I have Paul George on Murray and Jokic covered by Kawhi. And I'm going to let you try to beat me with the 2 point post up game.
1: Okay, yeah. No help, and just make you make a lot of post-ups.
0: Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm going to yo-yo in and out and right. You yeah. know, fake fake a double team once in a while, maybe every once in a while I have a time out on my double team. Right. But you know, you, they turn Jokic over. But, you know, the double team, their their double team defense didn't they gave up a lot of open shots, a lot of yeah. threes. And then we made them. So, you know, as a, you know, when you're, when you're worried about the three ball, you don't double team much. So, how do you, how do you remedy that? The two man game that Murray and Jokic were, were running was giving them something. Yeah. Murray was getting something into the crack, into the paint, or the throwback was getting Jokic. I mean, two of the two, game five and game six, what, Jokic knocks down four in a row in both games? Right. And that's that's unbelievably powerful. Yeah. And then you throw in Yogi got better and got, you know, he was the best player on the court probably in game four. Definitely in game five and six. And yet last night, I mean, yeah. you could yell, you could say Murray was the best player on the court, but nah. Yeah. Yoki <laughs> was, was a masterpiece. Was, yeah, he was orchestrating out there. He was, he was directing. Yeah. He was so comfortable,
1: and I think we've, you know, I've watched Jokic enough to know that if you could tell him they're not going to double-team, you're going to score 40 points, uh, an efficient 40 points, but, you know, there's not going to be a lot of passes, or you tell him, hey, you're going to score 16 points, but you're going to be able to pick apart this defense and orchestrate everything and just kind of get what you want. He would have much rather have that second option, and that's what he got last night, the opportunity (laughs) to draw that double-team out, find the open man, and it just felt like, he made every right decision in that second half, really all game But in the second half guy started making shots. And it just felt like he was so comfortable because they were presenting him with his favorite kind of problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I don't know, you know, I, I, am I'm, I'm just dumbfounded by them trying to cover him with young players and, uh, Zubats and Harrell, and the other kid off the bench, I think, to Green. Yeah, Yeah. why were they trying to cover him that way, and not try Jokic? I mean, not try Kawhi. Yeah, I, I don't know. Were they afraid of Kawhi tiring out, or too maybe much, too too much energy being wasted on? I don't Jokic know. Looks I mean, like
1: he is exhausting to guard. Just, uh, just he's so big and he leans on you so much. I mean, he does look like he wears people down.
0: He gets more rebounds on his tippy toes than anybody <laughs> in NBA history. Yeah, it's true. And you know, I mean, his long arms. And anytime it gets to be kind of a, a, a tippy toe, yeah, tip, fingertip rebound, Jokic Yo, gets that shot, Bob. Yeah, they get that ball every time. Yeah, and I, I don't know if he's that much longer than everybody else or his weight. Yeah. Keeps the other guys off balance where they can't get off the feet.
1: And but timing. I, I mean, great timing. Yeah.
0: I mean, how many rebounds does he get flat-footed? He gets yeah. a lot of them. Most. A lot of yeah.
1: them. Yeah. Pa- Greg Popovich compared him to Moses Malone, I believe, in that way. And I, what little I've seen of Moses Malone, because, of course, he's before my time. But what I've seen of him, that he would seem that way, too. Just a lot of tips. Grab the ball, flat-footed, go back up just with strength. All
0: right. Well, I don't know if Jokic goes up with strength. He goes, I mean, he's got great <laughs> hands.
1: Yeah.
0: And he kind of does everything with his body. You know, he yeah. does it. You know, he's he got the left hand. He's got the right hand. He's got the underneath your armpit hand. Um, yeah. And, you know, his three ball was – I don't know how you feel, but I think he's their best three-point shooter. I don't know. They've worked on his arc. His arc is really nice. He doesn't kind of have that flat-out shot a little bit they used to have, um, and then he's got the fadeaway, which, you know, I, I know, I know uh, Malone likes it when it goes in, but it's a little scary. But the sophomore shuffle, maybe, the one-legged, the one-legged sidestep. Yeah, I, I got it down. I understand where it's coming from, but <laughs> you know. I don't want anybody on my, other, my my team shooting now except him. Right now, I want you to know that. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's taking it too much? Because
1: there was one game where he took maybe four or five of them, and I think he made two or three of them.
0: I I think they know that in practice if it's good enough to go in, they they know if it's yeah. a good shot or not. I mean, I think what Yoki's just done is his runner is really good. His ten yeah. foot runner floater. Yeah. And Murray's getting good at that shot, too. Yeah. Murray, it seems like they must – they almost look like they run – they do the same drill. The, that 10-foot kind of push shot runner. Uh, Tony Parker type of shot. Uh,
1: that shot's so valuable in the playoffs, it seems. as teams really buckle down and try to protect the restricted area.
0: Well, I think, you know, the, the Lakers are going to give you a different different – Lakers are long. Yeah, they are long, athletic, and probably more physical than both Utah and the Clippers, um, and they have, their role players are a little bit like Denver. A lot of their role players are mm-hmm. defensive oriented. Called I mean Pope is um, yeah, is definitely a defender. Uh, Caruso is a defender.
1: Yeah,
0: Rondo is a total player, but. He can be a a little bit of a tough defender. And you got Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis. Yeah. I don't don't think you're going to see many double teams on Jokic. So the question will be how much they let Jokic play outside free and loose. Uh, Will there be a, a pick and roll coverage that still gives Jokic that freedom to be special?
1: Going to take a quick break to remind you about DraftKings Sportsbook, the presenting sponsor for this limited-run series, Keeping It 1000 with George Carl. The NFL is back, and they're, this DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried it, head on over to the App Store right now because you don't want to miss it. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into when they bet on any team. Whatever team. It could be the biggest favorite. Just bet $1. You're going to win $100 on that bet if if your team wins. That's right. You can place that $1 on any team. And if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. You can't pass this up unless you just don't want $100. If you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, head to the app now to scout their latest offers. Bet with DraftKings Sp- Sportsbook, a sportsbook that goes wherever you go. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now, and when you do, use promo code DNBR when you sign up so that you can take advantage of this can't-miss offer. That's right. Pick any one team. Bet $1, and if they win, you win $100. Limited time Only DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. You, I want to go. I want to stick on this series a little bit. This Clippers one. Before we move on to that one fully, though, because there's a couple interesting points here. In one of our first episodes together, you said you thought jeremy grant maybe wouldn't be content in denver or maybe he's not long for this team i look at him and i think he's one irreplaceable and i just think that he's really grown especially in these playoffs into such a nice fit alongside what denver has been doing um i can't imagine the nuggets next season without him of course he's a free agent so he can decide where he plays but do you still feel that way or did i misinterpret you in thinking that maybe he didn't like or wouldn't like the role he has on this team
0: well, he's going to like what has happened. So that will – you know, I, I think he became a free agent because he wants to see what's out there. Yeah. What, what role can I get a bigger role? Can I become a starter or maybe a 30-minute player? Uh, I think the roadblock you have is you got Barton, Porter Jr., uh, Jeremy – uh, and and to be honest with you, I think Malone likes playing three guards sometimes, yeah. You know, he he likes playing Gary Harris, Corey, Torrey Craig, Monte Morrison, right? He likes playing three guys, three little ones, yeah. So, I don't know how you can pay, you know, if Grant is a 15 million dollar player, can you play Barton 15 million dollars and Grant 15 million dollars and Porter right. Jr.? That's a lot of money at this. That's a two, three, four position, and I love Jeremy Grant. I thought it was one of the best decisions that front office made in the last two years, signing yeah. him and giving up a first-round for him. I thought that took courage to do, and I think it's helped them be a better basketball team. I like teams that are young but also have a flair of veteran leadership spring, uh, sp- spread around. And I think, I think the veteran guys in Millsap, Harris, Plumlee, and Grant uh, have been marvelous in figuring out how to contribute in their roles. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's just been so fantastic. And you think about he's guarded Donovan Mitchell, now he's guarded Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's quite a bit of on-ball defensive versatility. Um, I, I think it's really, really impressive. So Murray and Jokic now have 28 playoff games under their belt. And I thought this in the first round, when they made it out of that, I thought this is one of the reasons this is so great for Denver. Forget trying to chase a title and staying alive. You shouldn't forget those, but for now do. I just thought it meant four more games against tough competition uh, and, and four more opportunities to grow. And I really believe that. Watching this team over the last 14 games, I feel like they are a significantly better team now than they were 14 games ago. And I I feel like this experience you get in the playoffs you can't you, you can't simulate that there's there's no there's no way to replace the lessons those guys are learning right now I mean do you see that and just what does a team and what do young players specifically gain from being in tough games on the biggest stages
0: I mean it's hard a regular season game is totally different than a playoff game yeah um um. Playoff game, your focus got to be from the very first possession to the last possession. You're always going to have momentum swings, but the demand for detail, the focus on your game plan, and you don't tolerate mental lapses. And um, I think you grow up. You, you know, you grow yeah. up wanting to play in the playoffs. Once you know, realize how good the playoff basketball is and how hard it is to be the best at it, that's where you want to play. I mean, my my one year in in my second year in in Seattle, we played a five game series against Utah and won in the game five elimination game. You know, it was a five game series. The second round, we played Houston. In a seven-game overtime game and won, and then we played Phoenix and Barkley in a seven-game series and lost.
1: Yeah.
0: And that that was where Gary Payton and Sean Kemp said to themselves, "This is where I want to make my statement." Mm. And I see a little bit of a similar yeah comparison. Yeah. You have elimination games, learning how to. Win a game seven, winning a you know, winning in the most demanding mental mental toughness, emotional toughness, physical toughness of basketball. And then two days later you go, Hey, we got another one. Let's go. Right. I mean I mean the thing is they're only halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And I know I know it feels like you know, we're a game away from winning the NBA championship. It really does, yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of work <laughs> to be done. And there's a lot of – the the pieces that worked against Utah were a little different against the yeah. Clippers. Yeah. And the Lakers are going to be a little bit different. And, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but Plumlee didn't play much. Does he play more now? Because is LA going to throw both big guys out there? Right. You know, Anthony Davis is a a seven-footer that can cover threes and fours, and Frank, in his past, likes playing big. He likes the little bit of East Coast of having more length, having the rim protected, not not covering the three-ball by not coming off a help and letting big men's Take care of the back paint.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: this. You look
1: at Utah Jazz, you look at the Clippers, and now the Lakers. The diversity between all three of those teams seems it's pretty stark. I don't know if this is more – in your opinion, is it more of a contrasting styles between the three than usual? I mean, usually there's some crossover, but I feel like these three teams
0: are completely different. I I totally agree with you. Yeah, Utah is a team plays with a lot of ball motion, a lot of movement, a lot of creativity as a unit. Rely upon on a great player, Donovan Mitchell. They have a great defender, and 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 they 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 put the three ball. They shoot the three ball a lot. Right. The Clippers don't shoot the ball as well as. As Utah, I don't think. that. I thought they shot the ball poorly. But they're more of a individual isolation. Right. It's Paul Jordan's touches. It's Kawhi's touches. It's Lou Williams' touches. And um, I think it fell apart on them because they didn't have enough shooting out on the floor. And the big thing that grew as the, as the series went on was Jokic became the best playmaker on the court, and no one could come close to him on the on the Clipper land. I mean, they were saying Kawhi is getting to be a better facilitator. Didn't happen. Yeah, not very, not very good with the shot selection and playmaking. Right. Um, in fact, I thought he tried to be a playmaker more as the series went on, and it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't get done. And Paul George. Uh, you know, I like him as a star player in our league. But, you know, he's failed in these moments a lot. I mean, he's had those three for 15 games way too often for me. When that
1: shot hit the side of the backboard, I mean, I even I felt bad. I mean, that was, that was a tough, wide-open shot to clank off the side of the backboard.
0: Well, I mean, he wasn't the only one uh, tying yeah. himself. I mean, that, that last... Last, last quarter, it was painful watching a team, it really was. as I say, somewhat disintegrate right in front of national TV.
1: Yeah, it really was. Um, do you think the Lakers are a tougher opponent for the Nuggets than the Clippers?
0: I'd have to say yes because of LeBron. Yeah, LeBron has the ability to make guys better. Jokic has that ability also, but LeBron's been doing it for a long time and he's had more experience on trying to figure out what teams are doing against them. Um, And I I think, I think uh, the Lakers during the season played more consistently better and more they fought through the tough times with success better than the Clippers did yeah um they didn't play that great in the bubble but I think coming out in the playoffs they've played pretty good yeah um but they have to upgrade their game uh Denver's going to get a couple wins they're, they're, Denver's going to scare them. they're going to get hmm. some wins uh I think I uh, you know, I—I I, I have I remember LA beat Denver one game this year in Denver. I remember that game, but I don't remember the other games.
1: It was a great overtime game uh, right before the All Star break. I think it was the last game before the All Star break, and it went to overtime. It was very competitive. I thought it was a very interesting game.
0: And I thought LeBron kind of took over. Absolutely. In the overtime, right? Yep. Um. But. You know, I I think you know the weapons. You got you got two great players, in Anthony Davis and LeBron, who are eight nine eight eight. Anthony Davis probably eight years in the league.
1: Yeah,
0: LeBron's sixteen or seventeen years in the league. So you got two young guns, and then you got Joe Jokic and Murray, and then the 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 the, the supporting actors is what's going to be interesting to me who gets the first chance to yeah you know to help to help the guys uh, both both coaches are going to be interesting to see where they go there
1: with denver that you mentioned plumley because they play so big i mean who else do you think might get more minutes in this upcoming series than they have in previous ones and maybe not even minutes more just opportunity
0: I like how they're figuring it out now. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of one day it's it's Grant, one day it's Harris, one day it's, you know, it's Monte Morris didn't give you maybe a big game, but he gave you some big halves. Uh, You know, and they're playing with confidence. Um I don't know if they're going to go after Murray from a standpoint of going after him. When you jump Murray in the pick and roll, you give Jokic a lot of freedom. Yeah. And I, if I'm coaching right now, I'm, I'm saying, I'm not. I'm trying to. I'm trying to weaken Jokic's influence on the game. Now, can you do that with Anthony Davis? Maybe. Can you do it with a little bit of Anthony Davis and maybe a little Dwight Howard? Maybe. Because, you know, Jokic, the the tricks that he has might not work against Dwight Howard. I'm betting on Jokic, Joe. I think Jokic still – they're going to have to – one game plan against Jokic isn't going to work. You're going to have to maneuver, be creative, and mix it up a little bit.
1: I'm interested in that matchup specifically because I think that Jokic has solved – Just about every big in the NBA doesn't mean he could dominate him, but I just think he knows how to attack him. I think Anthony Davis is the one exception to that. And I thought it was interesting this year. They played, I believe, on December fourth this year. You remember the early part of the season? Jokic was kind of up and down. He was a little overweight. You know, he just didn't seem like he wasn't in midseason form. You know, right out of the package this season. If it was a year ago, so it's almost hard to remember. But I remember one of those games, Jokic tried to turn it on the fourth quarter and had a really rough go. Anthony Davis blocked his shot several times. And I thought that was a turning point. That game was a turning point for Jokic. He started losing weight, started working out after games. And I paid close attention to that because, to me, it signaled almost a recognition from him of, hey, this guy's on my level. This is a really good player that can kind of match me and, and sometimes shut me down. What do you see between that matchup for him because he's been so good against so many other centers, but, but that one is just such a unique problem given the skill and length and athleticism.
0: Uh, I, you know, I think Jokic is going to have to figure out what they're giving them in the pick-and-roll coverage. Are they giving them the freedom to be out front and shoot a little bit, or are they going to come back to him early and squeeze in from the wings? Uh and try to try to get back to him early. Anthony Davis is going to be able to cover him quicker in recovery than the Clippers or Utah did. Um <clears throat> if they're gonna play Dwight Howard, maybe you want him playing against Dwight Howard more. You know, maybe you want to yeah. put just take Yogic. Normally they take Murray out first. Yeah. And then and you might flip flop that, take Jokic out, and then put wow. Jokic back in against uh, Dwight Howard. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. These are things. These are things that the video and stats should tell you a little bit, but I don't know them.
1: Well, I'm always curious about that decision right there because all year you have a rotation with your stars. It seems like a rotation always begins with your star players, and all season he's been playing that first quarter, or at least a majority of it you would switch that up if it made sense to you from a strategic standpoint. Or is that – do you sometimes not want to throw off a rhythm maybe of a player that you've established for all season long?
0: I didn't buy that rhythm stuff, you know. Mm. I got got criticized a lot for taking out a guy that made five shots in a row. And I'm going, the guy's going to play 2,800 minutes this year. That's what I'm worried about. I want him to play 2,800 minutes. I don't want him to get hurt. Um, but I don't play that game very well. But there are some players that would rather ride the ride the wave of success more than. I don't think Jokic is in that game plan. I think Jokic just likes to play. Yeah. And if you give him a better a better assignment, I think maybe he'll like it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I don't think I'd do it in game one, but it might be something in game three or four um, that Anthony Davis is in in Jokic's head. Let's see what they do if we flip flop it a little bit.
1: Denver got two days off, or he's getting two days off before they play on Friday. Who has the advantage in your mind? A team that has been off for seven days, maybe too much, or a team that's been off now for three days, two days rest, and then playing a third day? Who do you think has the advantage going into Game 1, just from that perspective?
0: Uh, there could be some rust come Monday. I mean, come the first game. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think preparation time, I think it probably allows L.A. to be ahead of the curve a little bit in preparation on what they want to do and what they've worked on. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I hope that the Nuggets don't talk about fatigue anymore. You know, Harris talked. I mean, um, Jamal talked about yeah. that after Game yeah. Seven. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be easy what you're going to go through here. There's fatigue is going to be a part of it. So get get your body's not going to feel great. Get your massages. Get your rest, drink a lot of fluids, um, do, do your meditations, do what you ever have to do to get calm and relaxed. Yeah. Because as I've said before, that was a great series. You're going to have to be better than you were for this next series.
1: So I have to disagree with you on one thing. This is maybe the only thing that you've said that I've I've g- had some pause for, and I'm going to push back, and I'm going to allow you to push back again uh, on me. But you didn't like the way Denver celebrated after that first round. You saw last night after coming back again in round two, water bath for the coach, everybody kind of jumping up and down, and it was another celebration. I look at that and I, I kind of liked it. And I thought after game – I think it was after game five or maybe game six of the series, Michael Malone said that his message to the team was just to kind of be present and enjoy the experience that they're on. And I think that it seems to me that with this bubble specifically and all the pressures and, and being away from family and friends and familiarity and all that, it seems like that has been even more important in this over this run of just, hey – don't get bogged down with the isolation and all this different stuff. Try to enjoy every second of it, win, lose, or draw. And I kind of like that the Nuggets have now celebrated both both series victories afterwards and kind of let off, you know, let their let their guard down for a little bit. Am I wrong? I know you didn't like the first time.
0: Uh, I, I think it's a little bit more old school. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more. You know, I don't like lovey and hugs and kisses after games. You know, I yeah, <laughs> I don't like going up and shaking hands with the opposing coach after a game. I, really? You know, I I like shaking before the game.
1: Right, right.
0: And uh, next next day would be fine if you want to have breakfast, but I don't want to talk to you about it right now.
1: Right, right. So
0: I I think it's more my biases.
1: Yeah.
0: Of, but. The anything that connects the team,
1: yeah. if it's
0: if it's enthusiasm, if it's false enthusiasm, if it's real enthusiasm, which I think you're seeing,
1: yeah, I
0: think you're seeing a lot of young guys excited to be where they're at,
1: yeah,
0: and um, uh, you know, I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't kill me, yeah, uh, it's kind of like. One thing I said earlier in this series, this past series was when the team's not going well, I don't know who their leader is. When a team is going well, I know who their leaders leaders are, yeah, so in the next moments, there's gonna be more there's gonna be as many bad moments, yeah as good moments it's gonna so be more good. equal yeah. than and, you know, some of the bad moments that Denver's had in this series is blowouts. You know, they played poorly. And they played bad.
1: Right, yeah, yep.
0: And, you know, as Doug Moe tells us all the time, it's easy to forget a 20-point loss. It's harder to forget a two-point loss. So, you know, every every series has a different rhythm, a different personality. Uh, but I, I still think the 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 that both teams, the Lakers and Denver, are moving in good directions defensively, yeah. And I think that's where this series is going to probably be figured out first, yeah. Is how, how are we going to control this team? Like right now, instead of Denver giving up 120 points, they're giving up 107,
1: yeah, or last so yeah, this last series, yeah.
0: So their offense is looking better, but it might not be better. Yeah. You know, I mean, can they sustain it? Can they build another? And I really I'm – ex- I'm excited about it because I think their defenders are legit. Jerry Harris is legit. Yeah, Grant is legit. Tory Craig is legit. Millsap probably will have a matchup in this series mm. that he will feel good about. Um, but in the same sense, they're they they have a similar personality, and Rondo, Caruso, Pope, and I'm a, I'm because Kuzma is not a defender. but He's a young kid. Yeah, you know he'll probably match against Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, in a lot of the minutes that they're out there. Yeah, let me ask you the
1: couple as we wrap up here. I'm people know me. I really despise the Lakers in large part because I just <laughs> feel like they play by their own rules, and but no, no fault of their own. It's just that everybody wants to be in Los Angeles. You know, they get all the media attention. They get all these things. And I feel like they provide a really interesting contrast to Denver. This is a narrative. I don't think there's anything morally right or wrong about any approach to building a team, but I think that it's they provide a nice contrast to Denver because Denver has, in my opinion, had to do things the hard way. They've had to find second-rounders and end-of-bench trade options and this or that. Do you, as a coach, if somebody has been around the league, are there different organizations, fan bases, cities that you kind of like or dislike more than the other or kind of that just kind of get under your skin a little? Outside of Sacramento, maybe? <laughs> um.
0: No nah, I mean i I go to l a yeah, to visit my son, and I have to walk into the l a Laker facility, yeah, and sit in their office and look at all their trophies and look at all the championship banners and watch magic and all the you know right. James Worthy and Barbara Scott and yeah yeah all the the great Lakers hang out. And they've kicked my butt more than anybody else in basketball. Right. I mean, I mean, from back to Dell Harris. Yeah. Uh, you know, to Raleigh. Uh, i got to be by them all. Yeah. And, you know, the last series that I remember was uh, not the year that we lost to Golden State, but the year we lost to the Lakers in the first round. Right. I don't know if you remember, we were down 3-1 and took it to a game seven and got a lead in the fourth quarter in game seven. Um, And, you know, and then, then Kobe Bryant told Ty Lawson, I'm going to follow you every time down the court and they're not going to call it. And he did.
1: (laughs) He said that to him,
0: huh? (laughs) Yeah. I said, at least he knew. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the, that was the, my conspiracy is, uh meta met piece yeah world be world meta piece yeah got suspended for six games <laughs> why did he get suspended for six games <laughs> why can't he be suspended for the whole series because oh, him coming back on the court they had we had three guys playing well we had Ty Andre and I think a follow playing well yeah and if they didn't have men piece, I think we might have beaten them. But because of their defense, again, fourth quarter defense, they matched up very well against our, our guys that were going well. Yeah. Last
1: one I want to ask you, and maybe this I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but. You know, being in Denver, Jokic and Murray, I think, have been on you know on the come up for a while. Jokic has, I think, been a star player for a while, but they haven't had a lot of notoriety. They haven't had a lot of media attention. I think through this playoffs, they're starting to gain more and more. I mean, Murray's fifty point performances have grabbed attention. You know, obviously Jokic, what he's done has grabbed attention. How does that? And now, just being in the Western Conference Finals, that's a big stage. Does that change things at all? In your opinion, they're twenty two and twenty five respectively. And now it seems like the spotlight is finally on them in a way it hasn't been before. As a coach, do you think, okay, this is in some ways a new challenge for those guys that maybe they don't see coming?
0: I agree with that. I think there's a comfort zone that they're showing to me in their body language, in their approach, in their leadership, in their conversation. Yeah. Yes. I think what you're seeing is, uh, not only the value of 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 being successful in a playoff, big time playoff games, but the confidence that you can do it again. Right. Uh, I think they're they're now. You know, they know that they're capable of not playing well, but they're more confident than they've ever been that they can do what people want them to do. Yeah. And they're that confidence. You know, both of them, Jokic and Murray, have had inconsistency in in sustaining it. But I think these last 14 games, you got to be happy with how they played. Yeah. Really happy.
1: Definitely. Well, I'm excited. And I, you know, I kind of had not written Denver off, but I just thought the odds of them in this series, to me, it's a tough matchup. Um, It sounds like you're more optimistic than I am, but you were more optimistic about Denver against the Clippers. And... Like I said, you've been right on so many things in this podcast. That's why it's been so great talking to you. Um,
0: I like your opinion. I think you're going to see – I hope it's the fourth quarter game on on Friday. Yeah. Uh, You know, we're in a different – it's really different not having a home court. Yeah. So now we're going to a neutral court again and – You know, in a lot of ways, Denver's playing with more confidence than L.A. is. Yeah. But, you know, L.A. has the king. Hmm. And in a lot of ways, it's going to be who does LeBron make better and who does Jokic make better? Yeah. Who's going to step up a little bit to be the third fiddle or the fourth fiddle? You know, my, my belief, great players win you two to three games of a playoff series. Um, so let's say we're going, to, we're going to say Murray and Jokic, are going to win two and a half because of the star factor. Yeah. And LeBron and, and Anthony Davis are going to win two and a half. Yeah. Can Jokic make that three? Right. And they find the fourth? Or will Murray and Jokic hit a wall and only get two or maybe one and a half? And someone else is going to have to help them. But, you know, there's a – I mean, I think the one thing I said over and over about the, the, the Clippers series, as long as Jokic is the best player on the court, I felt good. Because I didn't think they had, they never figured him out.
1: I think that's so exciting that he could be the best player on the court that featured Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I thought that was, uh, for as a Nuggets fan, it's somebody that's been really enjoying watching Jokic since he arrived. It was, it was great to see. Um, coach, another great hour of basketball conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Adam,
0: I'll see you soon. I
1: hope- one soon. Are you coming over to the bar? Are we going to watch the games together? I mean, I put this on Twitter. We're 1-0 with you in the house at the DNVR bar.
0: I might do that.
1: <laughs> I'll let you know. All righty. Uh, you guys can check him out on the Truth in Basketball podcast. And, of course, don't forget, subscribe to this one, the Keeping It 1000 podcast. We're going to keep it going. we got another round. So we're going to be analyzing that one as it happens. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Keeping It 1000 podcast with George Carl and, of course, myself, Adam Matez. Don't forget to check out his podcast, Truth in Basketball, where he talks about his life and career around the game, his observations from the league now, then, all kinds of great stories. And, of course, don't forget about the presenting sponsor who made this show possible, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And, of course, that promo they're running here to start the NFL season, extra excitement, bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried it yet, Head to the App Store now because here's how it works. DraftKings Sportsbook gives all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right, $1 on any team, and if they win, you get $100. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up so you can get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team. And you bet $1. If they win, you get 100 That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code DNVR. Limited time only. DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.